if I wanted to do a land race or wanted to develop towards a land race, I would want something that can take care of itself, brood its own eggs, gets through our winter. So I would pick winter heavy hens. And then I would pick a rooster of some other breed than those, right? Hmm. And I'd put it in there. And at the end of that year, you know, when they laid eggs, I would hatch those, right? But that rooster would go. And I'd bring in another one. And all the roosters that he laid, I might go put them in a pasture pen and see if there's anybody I like. And if I did, then I'd probably try and give them to a friend who would also want to be cooperating in this. So I'm bringing in a new rooster all the time to just really increase that genetic diversity. Because in a small flock... You know, you got one rooster per dozen hens, uh-huh. and you got to go way above that before you keep the fighting down. The rooster is the genetic weak link in that for diversity. So you'd just be bringing in a new rooster every year. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast. Positive solutions to help you thrive, homestead, garden, and designing your intentional life. The Patreon is now live, so join us on our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash thriveinthefuture. So what you get for $5 a month? Early episodes, lots of extras, including outtakes. You get an ebook. are you a trader or are you a gambler? Free copies of ebooks as they become available. And Thriving Garden Spreadsheet, which includes a breakdown of how much to plant to live off your garden as a primary food source. It tracks what you plant, your inputs, your food costs that you will offset by growing your own food. It's all customizable. It's included free with your Patreon subscription. That's at patreon.com slash thrive in the future. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. Today we are talking about how to breed a land race chicken. So first of all, what's a land race? A land race is a plant or an animal that is adapted to your land. So if you are say Osterlorps. Supposedly they lay more in the wintertime than they do in the summertime. Correct. If you were in hot Texas, you probably wouldn't want that breed. Well, yeah. So so land race is adapted to your local climate environment. Mm-hmm. Generally, to make that work, you need hundreds of years of breeding. Okay. And in... So we have breeds, right, in America? We have, like, the Osterlorp and the Orphington and that. Sure, right? sure. And we have these very specific criteria as to what makes one an Orphington, right? Color of feathers for a buff and mm-hmm. a red Orphington and body shape and number of eggs laid and all those characteristics. Color of eggs and all that, yeah. Right. In a land race, a land race can't be certified as a breed like that. Sure. Even though they're older mm-hmm. and develop most of these. Because they don't fit neatly in what we want to put as the lines on a chicken. Or a lot of the land races that we have left are from places like Scandinavia. Hmm. Icelandic. Yeah, Icelandic, the yeah. There'll be some in the show notes, right? Some. Right. In a land race, you're not controlling the breeding as specifically, right? All the breeds of chicken we have have come from very concentrated, academic, scientific breeding programs where we are looking for more egg production or more a certain color feathers, right? So they took those. The land race has more diverse genetics. So Mm -hmm. in the land race, you're looking for maybe all the legs have feathers, but not necessarily this always breeds black legs or always yellow legs, or the color is brown or blue. It's spotted or speckled. We don't care about the feathers. What we want is a chicken that can take care of itself in the woods or take care of itself in our environment. 
who doesn't need a special coop and a lot of interference from me and what I am choosing is to take eggs from the most healthiest hens and I let them choose who they're going to mate with. Hmm. Okay. Kind of like seeds, right? I take six or seven squash varieties. I plant them all. I let them crossbleed however nature does that. I take those. I plant those. I save the ones that are the right size, the right texture, the best taste, right? Sure. And I take those and I plant those seeds again the next year and the next year and the next year and the next year, right? So you're doing the same thing with chickens. Rather than maintaining Buff Orphington standards, mm-hmm. you're taking a diverse group of chickens and letting them decide the environment kills this one. This one has a lot of trouble laying eggs, so I'm not, you know, because its hips are too close or, right, so I am not going to take eggs from that to hatch. Hmm. Sometimes in some of these land races, it's what hen can take care of the chicks herself out in nature, and I don't have to see it, think about it or anything, right? Yeah, which ones are going to be more consistently broody, right? Right. If you're going to try and develop this way, you have the same problem you have with the stun method, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to kill a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. If, if, if you're going to go for a trying to create a chicken that can run around the creek bottoms of Kansas and Missouri, uh-huh. you have to pick the ones that are agile and stuff that can get away from the possums, the raccoons, the coyotes, and all that all on their own. You're going to lose a lot of chickens. You're going to put a lot of work in that. Or you have to have the guts... To be able to call them and process them yourself, at least call them. At le- yeah, because you're yeah, going to end up with roosters. So well, at least a lot. A lot of people think call means kill, right? Mm-hmm. But if I take and give you chickens or sell you chickens, I have called them from my flock. Hmm. Interesting, right? I, I don't. I don't have way. to process them. Processing mm-hmm. them makes the most sense to me because a chicken in the oven is good, and a chicken in the stock pot makes good soup, right? Sure. And that helps meet some of my goals which is feeding myself right or that's a general homesteader thing so that's why coal kind of means harvest Mm -hmm. but it really means remove from the flock or not choose to continue breeding right i may have a chicken that's laying enough eggs and she's doing fine so i want her eggs but i don't want the children that she would produce okay because she has some thing that i don't want right maybe she's gimpy or something right? she's gimpy or her eggs taste good, but they're bumpy, and I don't like the extra little calcium deposits <laughs> to get on them, right? Or they're speckled, and I don't want blue, or, you know, right? Yeah, or that chicken tends to have thin-shelled eggs. Right. And it's hard to store them, or they break, right. or whatever. So, so right now, I want the eggs that she's going to produce, and she's worked the feed to me, but I don't want more of her. Interesting. Right. Okay. So, so 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 you can become that predator rather than letting them run <laughs> loose in the woods. You can become that coyote that that that. But you're taking a more selected approach, not just which one can I catch. What part of this do I want to process on farther? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So people seem to get wrapped around the axle about I have this breed and this breed and this breed. The chicks that I have and that I've raised all came from either the same flock, either I bought them from the same flock, or they came from my flock, so they've got they've got a common rooster. Okay. And then people get wrapped around the axle like I can't I can't let them crossbreed because then uh, they inbreeding run for the hills. Yeah, right? they anthropomorphize as well as like well you know that's a, that's that's a chick's dad, right? That's his sister. And it's stuff. mom, it's dad, grandpa, yeah, yeah, yeah. sibling, co sister. Yeah. Right. That's not uh, un you know that's not a. Uh, 
Well, <laughs> it's not an infrequent uh, way of looking at it. Here's the way we look at it. Inbreeding versus line breeding. Mm. Line breeding is scientifically controlled inbreeding. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, um, this is in the notes that is going to the, uh, does it matter if chickens inbreed? They link a study in which they inbred 17 generations deep on quail before genetic defects like uh, lack of eyes, hmm. poor bone structure, whatever the, you know, lack of feathers, those really, really weird genetic things started showing up. Mm-hmm. So it's assumed you can do kind of something similar with 17? chickens. 17. And you have to really work to do that. Sure. To breed a 17th generation grandfather to... It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's progeny. So how much would you... And that's you why they did it with quail, because they... Right. Life cycles so much faster. Yeah, this is so yeah. fast. I mean, you can turn around... You can do weeks. it in gnats or something, but... Yeah. yeah. So how... What would you recommend? The general for... recommendation in cattle is no more than four. Okay. Before you do an outcross. Mm-hmm. So I have a bull and a herd of heifers I bring in. Mm-hmm. Then you would go four deep on that before you brought in a bull from somebody else. Sure. You could do it before then. You could do it however you want, right? But that's where they consider that line to start being is at the fourth generation, you kind of need to start moving on. Mm-hmm. That's also partially how they develop breeds so quickly. Hmm. Whereas a land race takes hundreds of years of genetic selection and culling by you and your progeny to develop that land race. Sure. They get there faster by controlling that with... Right. So we're using land race loosely, like adapted to my land rather than... Well, you got to start somewhere, breed, right? right? So so you can say, I'm developing a land race, and it's going to be basically Scott and Scott's chicken breed, and I'm going to bring in whatever rooster I think is going to bring characteristics in that I think are helpful, Sure. and I am going to save the eggs from the hens that I think is helpful, and I'm going to incubate them, or I'm going to let certain hens that I think are worthwhile go broody and hatch eggs to try and develop. you, you got to pick one, right? You mm-hmm. can't pick all of them. You can either go for blue eggs, brown eggs. You're going to go for hens that raise them themselves, chickens that can pretty much live in the woods by themselves, or you're going to go for just health. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some uh, chickens on... I've seen some chickens on Instagram and, and stuff where the folks are basically... The chickens are in trees mm-hmm. out in the woods. If I wanted to go with raising natural chickens i'd probably run them with guineas for a while hmm. okay guineas are already wild sure they already know how to do it they will kind of sort of pair bond a little bit mm-hmm. if you have some you pick some of the wilder breeds of chicken mm-hmm. and do that and then maybe breed in some of the more domesticated or higher egg laying right later you know it, it's but that's what's where it gets interesting also because people like the the in not the inbreeding the uh landrace ones that you sent me were all flighty Right. Mm-hmm. So, and the and the exotic, more exotic breeds, the ones that have like Americanas and stuff like that, that have blue eggs or green eggs right. or whatever else, they most likely are more flighty than a red Rhode Island Red or a Buff Orpington. And people like their chickens to be not flighty, but then if you want them to evade predators, you kind of want them to be flighty. So, so the question is, what's most important to you, right? Mm. For you and me. 
flighty's kind of good because we have like here at my parents house i've got eight acres right sure flighty's okay because i've got some room mm-hmm. in an urban environment flighty's not okay right flighty's not okay because i've got kids that need to be able to go out and collect eggs so i need non-mean roosters right so if i wanted to do a land race and i wanted blue eggs i would get myself a set of blue leg egg hens and a blue a rooster of that breed because mm-hmm. it's carried on the male gene for the blue eggs oh okay i didn't know that there's 38 genes involved in egg color so right. uh-huh. do your research yeah it's complicated but blue is carried by the rooster yeah. so um so you could you could even do buff orfingtons and all that right and do a blue egg laying rooster like an americana or right so you're you're picking this gentler more domesticated hen Hmm. and this rooster that's going to get me my blue eggs Hmm. and then i'm going to look for a more docile rooster interesting out of that right so i'm gonna have to raise roosters longer so i'm gonna have to be in the country i can't be in the city where crowing might be a problem right or i gotta be in the city where i'm giving my neighbors eggs and meat from cold birds so that they're calling <laughs> yeah right? i mean you strategy call, your own yeah you don't right you don't call the police and i'll give you some chicken i don't so, think you state that i think you eggs. just you just keep them in chicken and eggs and brownies and whatever else so that they just <laughs> like you so it's you know yeah and kids come over and feed the chicken scratch so that yeah, you're right. your point, grandkids yeah. are coming, make sure they come over. I'll have some scratch ready. We'll feed the chickens. I won't feed them that morning so that they're all hungry and, you know, fun, right? Hmm. Entertainment, social capital, build right. it. You would do that, right? You're going for the blue eggs, you're going for the docile, and that's what you would do there. So you'd pick the breeds that you like, right? Mm-hmm. If I wanted to do a land race or wanted to develop towards a land race, I would want something that can take care of itself, brood its own eggs, gets through our winter, so I would pick winter heavy hens, and then I would pick a rooster of some other breed than those, right? Hmm. And I'd put it in there, and at the end of that year, but you know, the, when they laid eggs, I would hatch those, right? But that rooster would go, and I'd bring in another one, and all the roosters that he laid, I might go put them in a pasture pen and see if there's anybody I like. And if I did, then I'd probably try and give them to a friend who would also want to be cooperating in this. So I'm bringing in a new rooster all the time to just sure. really increase that genetic diversity because in a small flock, you know, you got one rooster per dozen hens, uh-huh. and you got to go way above that before you keep the fighting down. The rooster is the genetic weak link in that for diversity. So you'd just be bringing in a new rooster every year. So you make a rotational okay, thing so, with your friends? Well, you could, yeah. And, and you, you would adopt this. This it, Let's say we wanted to raise Buff Orfingtons, me and you, mm-hmm. and me, you, and Steve. Mm-hmm. We want to raise Buff Orfingtons. We want to keep a genetically pure thing so that we do not have to go to a hatchery for a Buff Orfington ever again. So I will go to Cackle Hatchery, and I will get a set of hens and a rooster, at least a hen and a rooster. And I'm going to be the green-marked flock. You're going to get red bands. You're going to mark your flock red, and you're going to go to McMurray. Steve, we're going to mark his flock with blue, and he's going to go to one of the separate, so that we're getting a genetic line that is completely separate, each of us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first year, I'm going to bleed my rooster to my hen and keep whatever I want of those based on the criteria that we're going for. So it would be the Buff Orfington criteria. You're going to do the same. He's going to do the same. Mm-hmm. The next year... One of the roosters from my green flock, and all the ones born on my property are marked with a green band. All the ones born on on Steve's are blue, all the ones on yours are red. 
one of my roosters, the green ones, from my flock is going to go to your red hens and you are going to select what hens that you want to select eggs from or that you want him breeding with, right? And you're going to set those aside mm-hmm. so to, and you're going to hatch those. All those get marked red. One of your red roosters is going to go to Steve's blue hens. One of his blue roosters is going to come to my green hens. Every year? Every year. I pick the best green rooster in my place to send over to yours for a few months or from the new flock from the from my flock flock? as a whole oh from the whole flock okay right what this does is because the roosters are moving that way Mm -hmm. there's never a sibling half sibling thing Mm -hmm. you're keeping a genetic line pure this is what hatcheries do they just keep three flocks all in three coops and runs, right? Mm-hmm. Or they band them and then they run them together all year and then at breeding time or hatching time, they pull them out separate and put them in separate coops and bins. We're going, I don't want to manage three sets of flocks. So I'm going to do one, you're going to do one, Steve's going to do one, and we're going to work on it. Hmm. If you wanted to do this as a cooperative land race thing, right? Me, you and Steve, we're all rural. We want very genetically diverse chickens that pretty much take care of themselves. Then we're going to take in roosters from people in the city from their hatchings, right? Because we need the roosters to come through, and we're going to do right. this. But then the best rooster out of whatever I've gotten is going to go to your place and then his place. And as we do that, we'll start narrowing in. Well, this is a characteristic we like. This this one here's got all feathers. So I'm going to hatch those eggs separate from all the other ones I hatched this year. And I'm going to make sure that one of those roosters that's got a good temperament or is flighty, whatever it is we're looking for, and that's going to go to you. And you're going to do the same thing. And over time, we will get these characteristics that we want. Incubate, broods its own eggs, has flightiness from animals, has color patterns in the feather that are just, like, different from every chicken so that they are out in the woods. Because we have cold weather, we want a low comb. We want feathered legs, mm-hmm. those kind of things, so it can take care of itself. Ones that get in trees. And we're going to let nature do some of that culling, and we're going to do the other part of it. And then we're going to pass. And as we pass through... We'll start then doing some inbreeding at some point so that we concentrate those characteristics but keeping genetics diverse, and then we go back into the clan mating system. Right, yeah. The comb seems to be a big thing. We've had frostbite mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Uh, usually the chickens snap back from it, but we have one rooster that didn't snap back too well from it. I mean, right. he lost most of his wattle beard mm-hmm. and then a part of his comb. Well, and it just may be his condition, right? That's the other thing we've got is we've got these breeds kept for cosmetic and egg laying so long that the genetic diversity is coming out. Part of tractor supply chickens is the source and the other part is they're shipped and all that, which is one of the reasons that we're looking at cutting that down with this group that we're talking about. We get away from tractor supply chicks that don't thrive to chicks that are going to thrive on your land. Now, one of the characteristics that I would like to work with above all is the auto-sexing breeds because the roosters and hens are tellable at birth based Mm -hmm. on the feather pattern. Sex links. No, sex links are separate. Auto-sexing are within the same breed. So, like the Buff Orpington is an auto-sexing breed. Well, how do you Um, auto-sex Buff Orpingtons then? So there there are several of those breeds. The Cream Lake Bar, the Mm -hmm. Bifelders, those automatically do that. And so if you have a buff rough Orpington hen and a buff Orpington rooster, mm-hmm. you can go look up that color pattern. Sex link is a cross between breeds. Okay. Rhode Island red with New Hampshire white. And then the red white color inheritance on that determines the coloring of the chicks, male and female, rooster and hen. 
Auto sexing is all within the same. Buff Orphington to Buff Orphington, Bifelder to Bifelder, okay, Cream okay. Leg Bar to Cream Leg Bar. But they have enough color where they're disposing of the roosters. It's not so much in color, right? Red sex links, one is yellow and one is more red. Yeah. In these, it's like uh, it has two black stripes along the dorsal sure. or a white spot on the head or a cream-colored sure. spot on the head. And or... you never see those usually for a sex link um, breed. Right. That's auto-sexing. The other difference is the auto-sexing are more a heritage breed, mm -hmm. and the sex links are more post-1950s where egg production and small confinement came to be needed because we are trying to produce eggs for the baby boom. Auto-sexing is within the breed itself. Okay. Sex link is a crossbreed between two separate breeds. I see. So in an auto-sexing breed, if I stick with like Buff Orphingtons or Bifelders, so I'm doing all Bifelders, then I will always know, and it's inherited. Yeah. In a sex link, it's not inherited. I take a sex it's... link's chick, and, this, and like a red, red sex link with a red sex link, mm -hmm. that will not pass down. Those are like your silver-laced Wyandots that were also crossbred with uh, red Orpingtons. So the rooster is red on the feathers, mm -hmm. on the wings, and the, and, the, and the females are not. Now, if we take those birds mm -hmm. and we inbreed them, we can concentrate that down and get that to happen with every generation. Hmm. That's what inbreeding and line breeding is for. Mm -hmm. If we wanted to control that factor. So I think the real thing would be to get experience going through this whole life cycle, right? We take eggs, we incubate them, we split roosters and hens, we do processing so that we know how to make meat, we learn how to make broth from the feet, we learn sure. what to do with the, right? We learn that whole process beginning to end. Mm -hmm. We start dividing that up so that I have eggs, but I don't want to watch incubators, but these people in the city can watch the incubators. Right. So they're incubating. When the chicks hatch, I come pick them up and I brood them. Or I am hatching them and I have several people that are, I have somebody that's going to take this set out of the incubator. Mm -hmm. And so like a week beforehand, they're giving me proof that they have brooder stuff because if they don't i'm contacting the next person doing that so that i know that the brooder's ready they get them they brood them and when it's time to to put them out on pasture or whatever the roosters go out somewhere to become meat chickens and they keep the tins mm -hmm. and when they're ready to repopulate their flock they sign up again they get one every you know two three years whatever yeah, and that could also be that. done as a side hustle I understand that. I think, but I think it needs to be kind of also done as a community project. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, it would be beneficial. But we need we need everybody doing it project. every single which way. Yeah. I personally would just like to play with the land races and the auto sexing breeds, mm -hmm. and try and get something that really just takes care of itself. Okay. So there doesn't need the maintenance going away. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that just briefly. So, two days from now, you're going to Alaska. Yeah. To the monastery. To a monastery or skeet, but yeah, skeet. Okay, yeah, and, skeet's uh, affiliated with a monastery out on the Aleutian uh, Spruce Islands, right? You posted on Twitter last week. So long and thanks for all the fish, right? And it looked like you scribbled over the the I fish had, part. I poured a pulled a bad gif. Oh, <laughs> but it work. Oh, it looked like so long and thanks for all the drama. Drama I, would fit for Twitter. Drama and karma. <laughs> I don't care. I, <laughs> I quit it's, Twitter and it's a thanks for all the drama. I like drama better. Yeah, that's fine. That's fits for Twitter. But the the whole idea is that I'm going to do this where I'm going to explore monasticism. And being a monk, right? Being a monk mm -hmm. and finding the right monastery for me, or the right situation in life, or if that's right. 
Good. I'm leaning towards it, right? Just need logistics worked out, right? Mm-hmm. So, goodbye and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> How much potatoes and greens should you grow to be your primary food source? Not sure? Download the Thriving Garden Planner. You put in the number of people in your family. It tells you how much overall space you need, how much plants and seeds and even spacing that you need. Plus, it can track your harvest, how much money you save growing your own food. So in 2021, I harvested 38 pounds of tomatoes. There's a tab in the planner where you can track your costs, either how much it costs at the store or how much it costs at the farmer's market. And then I took that 38 pounds of tomatoes at $3.49 a pound for heirloom tomatoes at the store, and I actually saved the equivalent of $132 just in tomatoes in 2021. So this is what you can do with the planner. It also tracks your first and last frost date. Go to thrivinggardenplanner.com. Right now, there's $5 off when you use the coupon code THRIVING. Check it out. Thank you for listening to Thriving the Future podcast. Like us and follow us on your favorite podcast app. And leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. That helps drive the algorithm and pushes Thriving the Future up in the search results. Thank you. Next time on Thriving the Future podcast. In the upcoming weeks for Thriving the Future podcast, these are the topics we're going to be talking about. You've heard people talk about grow all your own food or most of your food. Let's be realistic. Let's talk about grow more of your own food. Also, have an interview lined up with Cyprian talking about mindset and live not by lies. That's coming up on Thriving the Future podcast.